Hi, I'm Nikki LaCroce, and you're listening to the Who the Fuck Podcast. Inquisitive, authentic, unapologetic. A show designed to create connection, fuel compassion, activate change, and figure out just who the fuck you are. Hey gang, thanks for joining us for the latest episode of the Who the Fuck Podcast. Our guest today is Paula Clancy, and we're going to be talking about a topic that some might consider taboo, making the decision to not have children. Paula and I lived down the hall from each other our freshman year of college, where I would often drunkenly wander to speak French to her, and despite somehow rarely seeing each other on campus aside from those moments, we've managed to maintain a lifelong friendship. Welcome to the show, Paula. Why don't you start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you for having me. I am wicked excited to be here. So I'm from the Boston area originally, went to college in Connecticut where we met at probably four o'clock in the morning that sounds in the hallway. One of us may or may not have been inebriated to a certain extent. No, I'm kidding. You can take that part out. Why would I take that part out when it so <laughs> perfectly encapsulates what most of our run-ins in college were? Um, which is the best. Um, so after college, um, I, I moved to New York. I started a career in media analytics um, and like big data insights, stuff like that. Um, while I was in New York, I went to grad school, which I mention only because I feel like it will be pertinent to our conversation later. Um, and then four years ago, I moved back to the Boston area. So, I mean, that's, I guess, my life in a nutshell, which is really horrifying that I can sum up my entire existence in 30 seconds. So <laughs> I mean, I'm I don't sure. know what that says about me. <laughs> I think we all could do that if we really tried Go on, yeah. listeners. Give that give that a whirl while you're yeah. while you have a lot of time to be pensive. And if you want to feel really good about yourself, see how short you can make your entire existence sound. I could do it in one breath. What's your existential synopsis? Go. <laughs> <laughs> I run on sugar and anxiety. It's my life motto. Well, thanks for that introduction, Paula, and for letting people know that I was a complete lush when we were in college. <laughs> I, it's something that I. Very rarely exhibit these days, but you know, it is an important factor in our lives and our friendship. So I appreciate the I'm, authenticity. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, it brought us together. It really so did. You your, didn't drink, and your, I was a hot mess. Yeah, I, I just stayed up really late because I thought that staying up until six o'clock in the morning to make an 8 a.m. class was always the best decision. Yeah, I did that too, except then I didn't go to those 8 a.m. classes, and then I had well, to. Well, we had. <laughs> We had one together, and I we used to have to knock on each other's doors if one of us actually woke up to make it to class. I don't even remember which one that was. It was, a, I think, it was a journalism. Oh my class. god, it was the one that got canceled all the time, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was the best one. I- yep. 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 <laughs> Uh, So before we tap into the conversation about deciding to have children or not, I think it's important Mm -hmm. to talk about how the relationship dynamic between you and your husband, Mike, is because it really sets the stage for making, at least for most people, I believe, for making the decision about whether or not they're going to have children. Because a lot of times, more often than not, I would say it is a result of being in a partnership. So why don't you talk a little bit about how you and Mike met? We met in college, so Mike was two years my senior, and we met in we met in September of two thousand four, 
So God, almost 16 years ago, which I can't begin to, I can't grapple with that aspect of it at the moment. We met at the radio station. We both were DJs there. We hit it off at first. We actually kind of started dating pretty soon after we met, but then we broke up just a couple months later and somehow managed to stay friends for two years. Then we started dating more seriously. And and this was after he had already graduated. So he was living in New York. Uh, I was still in school in Connecticut. Then we ended up getting engaged 10 months later. I remember. Yeah. In January of 2008, while I was a senior in college, which, dear God, is never anything that I thought... I would ever do, but we we were engaged for four years. Did you talk about the potential to have children before you got married? Because at that age, like, I mean, you're in your early 20s still. Like, is that something you thought about? Probably not as much as I quote unquote should have. And I say that because I feel like that is a learned behavior at this point. But we were we are so solid in our relationship that it was one of those things. And I know this is going to sound super corny, but it was just like, you know what? You're my person and that's it. And that's all I care about. And everything else is secondary. And that's kind of how we approached initially the conversation about kids, because Mike is an only child and has actually never wanted children, period. Never wanted them. And I was coming from a huge family. I'm one of five. It's, you know, ingrained in women, I think, to expect to have children. Was there ever a sense that it would be a deal breaker for you since you knew from the get-go Mike didn't want to have kids? Or do you think that, as you said, it was more about, I want to be with you. And if we decided to have children, that would be a separate discussion. Like decision number one is we're deciding to be together, period. Yes, it was 100%. We are making the decision and the commitment for us to be together and everything else will come later or at its own time in its own pace in its own way and we'll figure it out and we'll figure it out together and we'll figure out what works for our life not necessarily what works for my life individually and his life individually it's very much us so do you think it was more for mike that he had made this decision that he didn't want to have children but it was still sort of open for both of you. It, should that change down the line? Like, were you kind of like, if it, if, if we're going to continue to have the conversation until we don't feel the need to have the conversation anymore, like if it crept up as far as either of you were feeling. So it wasn't like either of you was a hard no or a, an absolute yes. It was just kind of like, let's navigate our relationship and then we can decide, as you said, what fits our lifestyle the best. I would say that Mike, I think first being an only child and second, not being around children growing up because he didn't even have any cousins or he had he is a very small family uh, and his experience with siblings has always come from his friends and when you're with your friends your friends siblings for a long time older or younger are the most obnoxious pieces of shit Ever. So he would go home and be like, oh, my God, thank God I don't have a sibling. I just get to go home and, and 
be left alone. Yeah, nobody's harassing me. Nobody's beating me up. Like, it's good times. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Where in my house, it was just constant chaos. And there was at least 10 people in my house at one time at any given time. It was just madness. But I think that he came in not liking children and I came in with certain societal expectations that I am a straight woman in a heterosexual relationship you're gonna have kids and being around so many children my entire life I have like I said I have four siblings I have like 30 first cousins I babysat tons dozens of kids growing up we had a very different experience with that I mean I'm the youngest of two and I have a handful of cousins all who lived very far away from us or at least a couple of hours driving and so to me it definitely aligned um, maybe a little bit more with where Mike was at not as far as you know I get to go home and be by myself and not really have to deal with that pressure of a sibling but I do think that I didn't necessarily have that initial expectation because it wasn't always around me uh, beyond my sister. I probably entered the relationship at like, I was 80% sure that we would have a kid and Mike was 20% sure. And we kind of at one point met probably not as much in the middle. We probably met a little below that 50% mark. Like a 60-40. Yeah. And then I just dropped off real hard, like, and I was like, all right, you know what? Guess what? I'm out. I'm good. I'm all set. We're, we're good. We're good here. After you got married, did people immediately start asking you about when you were going to have babies? Because you were, you were in your mid twenties. Oh my God. It's so funny. Um, yes, it surprisingly didn't come from my mother or my mother-in-law. It came from other family and just people in general because I think once you're married everyone's always looking to the next thing so the next natural progression is a child at my wedding my godson is my cousin at my wedding he was about seven or eight and as soon as we got married he runs up to me he hugs me and then he goes you're married now right I'm like yep And he's like, okay, so where are the babies? And I looked at my aunt and she was laughing and and she was like, well, they know that married couples have babies, so they love babies. So they want to know when are you going to start having babies because they really want them. And I'm like, I've been married for literally five minutes. (laughs) And this is the first question that I get as a married woman. Where are your babies? So, yeah. From from an eight-year-old? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you think he was prompted? Um, No, I don't. I don't. Um, There's, yeah, he he was not. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, he's wondering. We're wondering. Uh, uh, uh. (laughs) I I mean, what? Um, But, yeah, I, I think... The the questions started coming probably about a year or two after we were married because everyone, for some reason, there's this unspoken, I don't know if it's just with my family, but there was an unspoken rule that was like, give them a little bit of time to be married. They're still young. They, she still has plenty of time to bear, to bear our children. Um, 
our being a very key word there because not mine ours Uh, that's like a that was used that phrasing oh 100 percent uh which is another reason yeah yeah carry on that uh carry on the trauma carry on the anxiety yes please all the things that we know and love about ourselves and would just really care to yeah share with our children let's pass that on for a few more generations shall we let's see how long we can go um i think i think we've officially hit the breaking point for everybody our age (laughs) yeah yeah i think so um i so yeah so i would say that the the question started a lot more fast and furious once Mike and I had been married for a year or two. Um, they don't come anymore. I can tell you that I'm pretty open and I don't want to say vocal or at least vocal in a negative way about not wanting to have children. But it's fair. It's I mean, you should be able it shouldn't matter that you're vocal about it because that's the decision you've made. And I feel like what is sort of overlooked when people ask the way that they do about are you going to have kids, when are you going to have kids, and if you're not going to have kids, why are you not having kids, it sort of reinforces that shame that goes with it, yeah. where it's like, yeah. oh, well, if I if I tell people that this is by choice and it's not because of something in particular that I couldn't or uh, an extenuating circumstance that it wouldn't make sense, like there's, I feel like people are searching for a reason other than it's not for me. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that um, I've been more vocal about not wanting to have children more recently because I constantly am becoming more and more confident in my decision. But not only that, I think just more confident in myself and that the choices that I make for myself are okay and they are valid and they they're for me and they're not for anyone else and that was a big turning point for me in particular because I made a quote-unquote final decision probably two years ago that I really just having kids was not for me Um, but I have only really started pushing back against people that when they say oh you're not having kids why and which First of all, is such a personal question that my immediate reaction is to want to tell them to fuck off because I I don't owe them an explanation. It's not their business. I don't care. But I also now personally feel like I need to be the voice for women who don't want to have children and are afraid to speak up about it because... I've heard that as well. So it's this weird line between fuck you, it's none of your business. And yeah, no, I don't want to have kids. I will I will sit down and I will talk to you for as long as you want for me to give you the laundry list of reasons why I don't want them. You know, it's funny that you say that that particular way, because I agree with you. I think it's really inappropriate, first of all, for people that barely know you, especially. I mean, it's one thing for mm-hmm. your family. I think that's kind of a norm. But yeah. the way people have no problem approaching you and asking you about it when you don't have a close personal relationship with them is mm-hmm. shocking to me. Like, oh, yeah. Do 
you have any sense of etiquette, why would you ever probe into something that is knowingly so personal? And unless somebody's bringing it up to you, it's none of your damn business. And frankly, mm-hmm. one of the things that I read when I was prepping for this was that uh, one woman responds, why did you decide to have kids? <laughs> And I was like, damn. And she's like, that pretty much shuts them up right there. Because at the end of the day, what are you going to say to me? Because that's what you do? Because that's the expectation? Okay, so you're telling me that you're doing this because you're conforming to society's expectation of yourselves. And now you're criticizing me for not doing that? Let's discuss what that means psychologically. I'm ready. (laughs) You whip out a notebook and be like, "Mm -hmm, go ahead. I'm listening. (laughs) But it's true because I, I think so many people's answers would be because they felt like they had to or that's just what you do or what what else am I going to do with my adulthood I don't know enjoy it sorry no I'm no, no no well, well I mean I a little that's bit kind of <laughs> not really I think that's kind of the important point though right is that you can be a parent or not be a parent and you can still enjoy your life just the same I yeah. will say that the one thing that we're really getting out of not being parents at this particular time is <sighs> is well, especially right now that we're not homeschooling children and trying to work full-time jobs, but then yeah. also the fact that like I actually can just sleep when I want to sleep. And, and oh. I will not lie to you that I have said to Holly in discussions about having children, we mm-hmm. would consider adopting, but I was like, I just, you know, I'm really upset about how much sleep I'm going to lose. And Holly's like, yeah. I will literally never wake you up. Do the other stuff. It's fine. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think that that's fair. I can't be that type of parent. And she was like, okay, that you can't have it both ways. And I'm like, right, so this is why we have not yet made a, an ultimate decision on it. But I, I can agree with you completely from my vantage point because I never really had a maternal instinct. I never have, I always knew I would be fun Aunt Nikki, but I never felt like I'm kids first mom, Nikki. You know, like mm-hmm. I am not the quintessential person in, really any fabric of my life let alone as a parent and I think I sort of fell into the role as aunt really easily because it's natural and it's comfortable and I can give the screaming child back to you yep but I also think that as a parent it is hard for me to think about how I would balance the way that I structure my life with all of the sacrifice that comes with having a child And I think that that's something that people don't really talk about because Mm -hmm. I am grateful, infinitely grateful for my parents in so many ways. And I will gladly forgive many of the things that I disagree with in, you know, the premise of how they parented in certain ways. But at the end of the day, I think about how much time they spent. You played sports too. How much time Mm -hmm. did your parents spend going to places with you, driving you places, staying there like on long weekends? Like I don't think my parents ever had a long weekend in the entirety of the time that my sister and I were growing up and vacations were family vacations. It wasn't their vacation. And so it's not that I wouldn't condone having children. It's It's just that not having children is rightfully the same choice that you get to make in the freedom of Mm -hmm. your adulthood. It shouldn't be you have to or you didn't because. It can just be I didn't and I don't want to or I don't want to right now or the circumstance isn't right right now. And I I feel strongly that it is unfair to be pigeonholed into a decision by the expectations of society when we can point to plenty of people who are parents who are not qualified to be parents. And it's like, well, (laughs) like you didn't even make that decision 
actively like you became a parent before you even decided if you wanted to be one and like you and I are talking about this where we were extremely thoughtful about the decision to not have Mm -hmm. children right now or not have children at all and I right I don't think it's something that people really look at through these different lenses they see it Mm -hmm. as very binary yes yes I think it's I think a lot of people underestimate the time that went into making this decision. I mean, it took years and years for Mike and I to make this decision. And we went back and forth on so many different things for different topics, different reasons, why or why not. And the one thing a lot of people say to me is, well, it's never going to be the perfect time. You'll never be fully ready. I get that. But we are the experts in our own lives and we know what's going to work for us. And at the end of the day, the best decision for us and for our life was to not have children. And I think another thing that I get a sense of when I when I talk to some people about this is they immediately get defensive for having or wanting children and here's the thing I parents to me amaze me they're amazing and you think about what so many parents are going through right now where there is literally too much being expected of them they're expected to be parents and teachers and employees and their own individual human selves and you you can't you can't do all of that at once so I have said numerous times parents are friggin' superheroes for sure I can attest to that I mean I yeah I think about it both as couples who are parents and especially Mm -hmm. single parents like I have a friend who is a single mother of three children seven and under and has a dog and I'm like I have three dogs and I can't keep my shit together so I don't know what you're doing and she runs her own business and you're like how do you even keep all the balls in the air yeah I agree with you I have a massive amount of respect for people who choose to be parents or people who become parents even if it wasn't necessarily the ideal scenario for them you you fall into that role in a lot of cases and if you care about your children and you're willing to give them that unconditional love and take parts of your life and individuality or freedom away that may have otherwise continued onward without children, then that's a decision that I can completely respect. And I want to kind of step back on what I said too, and not to imply that parents don't have their own individuality. I think it's just that your focal point becomes a lot more about your children, as it should if you're a good parent. I firmly believe that you're putting as much energy into your kids as possible. But I also have to say, I don't know that I see as many parents practicing self-care as they as need to. And some parents might say, well, how am I supposed to do that? Paula just described how insane our lives are. Like, when am I supposed to find two seconds for myself? You can't even go to the bathroom without somebody bothering me or needing something. And I get that. But I think in those, you know, quiet moments before bed when everybody is you know, asleep and you're just by yourself, like find some time there because you do need to allow yourself to reset and identify yourself as you, not you, the mom, 
not you the wife or the husband. Like you need to identify yourself as you and try to like come back to that more often because I feel like as a child to be able to see that sense of individuality in a parent is probably really beneficial as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think more than anything, I like to think of myself as a realist and I know my personality. I know my anxiety. I know how I am so hard on myself all the time. And I just don't think that I personally would be capable of holding on to at least enough of my own individuality that I would be comfortable with. Meaning I really was fearful of losing all sense of self. And as I get older, I am finally in my mid thirties understanding who I am as a person. And I want to get to know that person more. And I want to spend more time being this person. And I knew the sacrifice that having children would be to spending time with this new person that I am discovering. And I didn't want to let that go. And is that selfish? I don't know. For some people, it might be. For others, maybe not. For me, it was the right decision for me. And more than anything, being okay with making these decisions for myself and for us and our relationship is what's most important. For sure. I feel very strongly the same way. And what I really love about what you said is how you've really come into your own and that self-discovery and that opportunity to really embrace who you are without really, I mean, I keep saying the word expectations, but I think that that's what has been ingrained in us for so long in every capacity of our life. So it doesn't really matter, right, that it's children or it's going to college or it's getting this type of job or it's doing XYZ because I look back on my life and I think a lot about just even growing up and going to school the way that I did and everything that I did in high school was so I could get to the good college and everything I did in college was to get to the good job and guess what happened when I graduated college the fucking economy tanked and I couldn't get the good job even though I though I did literally everything I was told to do so like as I've progressed through my life and more situations like that have happened, present situation included, you just start to change the way that you think about things and realize what is in your control actively and what is not. And you'll just realize that a lot less of what you think is in your control actually is. There isn't much that really truly is in within our ability to change or, or point in the right direction with the exception of obviously certain certain ways of working or being, uh, whether you're kind or humble or you're a diligent worker with a strong ethic, like there's things that we can control, but most of these things that we can control are our behaviors. They're not the actual circumstances. And so when you talk about realizing who you are, I mean, that's the entire point of this podcast, right? It's why I started it. I didn't feel like I really knew who I was. And so going back through my life and asking myself, why? Why do I think this way? Why is this what I believe? Why is this what I'm speaking to? More often than not, I didn't have a really good reason. It was, this is what I learned or was told or believed was supposed to be the case. And now I'm not sure I buy into all of it. So I completely respect that that's the reason for you to say, you know what, I don't want kids. And I can say, 
for me for a really long time, I, I would never have said I wanted children if Holly wasn't the person that I was married to because Mm -hmm. she's amazing with children. She has worked with special needs children for her whole career. So there's something magical about being around her and children. It's like joke Mm -hmm. around with her that she's like the child whisperer. And she also changed all of my niece's dirty diapers when we visited last year. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. (laughs) You're totally, if we're going to do this, I get to sleep and you change all the dirty diapers. Maybe again, it's like, I could be, I could be swayed. Right. This might be a good deal. Yeah, 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 exactly. Except everybody would be like, you're a shit mom. And I'd be like, oh, but she said it was totally fine. See, that's what works for us. You know? Oh my God, yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that there's this reality check for you as an adult where these ideals start to play out and you have to pull back and ask yourself why that was the decision that you were thinking you might make if you didn't investigate it further. And to one of your earlier points, I think some people just make that decision because that's what they feel they're supposed to do. And it doesn't mean that when they become parents that they don't want to be parents or they're not going to be good parents. It just means that maybe you didn't think about what would happen to your personal approach to life and how it would differ for you and how you can still find ways to connect with yourself. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, ultimately this whole conversation is going to be, it can work either way, right? We're not trying to sit here and tell like, don't have children, not having children's the absolute best. I mean, we sleep more than you do, like I said. So like, that's really great. But (laughs) the jokes that we get to tell are way more funny because they're that layered in truth and sarcasm where it's like, yeah, um, I slept in until noon. So what did you do today? Yeah. Did, did a kid jump in your bed at 4 a.m. and bounce did on you? Did you someone sneeze in your mouth? Because <laughs> I <course>. didn't. <laughs> Ew, I will tell you that that like could deter me the most is parents talking about like what things have come out of their children Ugh. onto no, them. No. Like, Mm-mm. please don't no. discuss that. I mean, like when somebody uses the phrase shit up their back, I have major, major concerns. And I'm telling you right now, zero remorse about not being a parent when that is what <laughs> What happens? <laughs> oh my god, that's so good. And it's that's also so something good. I've heard repeatedly, which means it happens oh, a lot, and I'm no, that much more uncomfortable has, with it. It does happen a lot. Um, because so I also have, I mean, one of my other luxuries I will say is I have six nieces and nephews. I have a little alleviation there with my parents, and I'm like, okay, you already have a bunch of grandkids. Um, so you can take a little pressure off of me for a little. It's not one single thing that makes or breaks the decision. It's a million smaller decisions that lead up to the one thing. To me, the really definitive reason for it being cut and dry would be that's not really as much of a choice as it is the way that things are. You know, like if you can decide to have children or not, and you have the quote luxury to make that choice, then unless both people go into that conversation with yes, we are or no, we're not, I can't imagine it is anything less than complex, right? Oh, yeah. That's why it took years to make that decision. That's It wasn't an overnight thing. It was years of work and conversations that led to all of these smaller decisions that then surrounded this bigger 
life decision. When one of the things that you were talking about too was your own self-discovery as well as the things that you face in life that are challenging and similar to me. We both have pretty severe anxiety. Things can be super stressful in just any scenario, let alone having children and having people who really wholeheartedly depend on you to be there and fully there and functioning in a way that can address their needs prior to yours, which if anxiety is that debilitating at any point in time, like, you know that you can't necessarily give all of that. And it scares me a lot when I think about it, even just with my niece and nephew and now nephew. Like I remember my niece was sick when I went to visit her around this time last year. And I said to my sister, I was like, so should I just like stand here and watch her breathe all night? Like to make sure she's okay. Should we just like, should I just make sure she's alive the whole night? Yeah. She's like, no, I'm going to go to sleep. And I have the baby monitor. And I'm like, but the baby monitor's not telling you if she's alive. How do you know? <laughs> it needs to have a heartbeat. Yeah, exactly. You need to see it. So just thinking about it like that for me, and then and then allowing myself to start to plan futuristically. Well, what's it like when they get older, and I have to trust them to make decisions for themselves, and then they're yeah, going to be yeah. driving, and then they're going to be doing this, and I think about all the stupid shit I did, and do I really think my kid's not going to do all that? No, they absolutely yep. will. They will be my child. Uh huh. Yep. <laughs> so you you kind of have to negotiate with yourself about what things can you make room for in your life yeah. when you have a child, and having the realization after college more into adulthood about the severity of my anxiety the reality that I have adult ADHD and I can forget things like to give water to the dogs I don't want to forget to feed my Mm -hmm. child but it's a very real possibility if there aren't a million notes anywhere or kid nagging at me (laughs) yeah yeah and so I feel like I guess that's the one good thing about kids versus dogs is the kid will be like hey (laughs) I'm thirsty I like that you were like the one good thing. The one good thing. Yeah. See, and then, and so this is, this is so seeped into my subconscious where like, so the other point being from Boston is one of the things, especially from a really big, like Irish, Italian, Catholic family is you don't talk about your feelings. You don't talk about how things actually are. You veil them in humor and sarcasm. So that's been my entire like coping mechanism with this so dealing with my parents when I know that they're clearly upset about not having a grandchild from me and Mike it's usually veiled with some other form of humor about how I've always been really weird anyway and I never do normal things anyway or um you know, like me just joking. I'm like, you do have a grandchild. She has four legs and is furry, you know, or I mean, for sure. I call them their, their fur babies, their fur grandbabies. Yeah. And, well, yeah. And more and more people now are starting to treat their dogs like children, even when they have children. So I, I love when people are, don't compare children to dogs. And I'm like, in a lot of ways, I absolutely will not. Okay. To your point, children eventually learn to speak and put on their own clothes. At the same time, there is no denying that this tiny being requires attention from you to sustain life. Absolutely. And I will, I am one of those people that I very firmly believe in not comparing children and dogs. However, like you're saying, it is a, in my case, very small being that is 
wholly dependent on my existence for its own existence, which is a lot of responsibility. But I think getting Molly, who is my fur baby, my dog, was one of the final nails in the coffin of never having kids. And I say that and and a lot of people thought, oh, my God, she finally has her own dog. That's all she's wanted forever. Now she has this like little source of unconditional love. And I've never been more happy. She's one of the best things to ever happen to me. Everyone was like, that'll turn her. That'll be the point that will turn her. It it was the complete opposite. I was like, there was this one tiny missing piece and it turned out to be a dog. That's all I need. That's where I get my source of unconditional love. And guess what? No, she can't talk to me to tell me how much she loves me, but I know how much she loves me, but she's never going to be able to also say, fuck you. I hate you either. So I am so good with this relationship. I can make it whatever I want it to be because I speak for her. So in in my head, she is constantly telling me how amazing and wonderful I am. Oh my God. I'm like literally tearing <laughs> up over that. <laughs> for so many reasons, largely really self-reflection and being like, damn, I was a real bitch to my mom. <laughs> Sorry, Deb. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that there is a lot of pressure around, okay, well, there will be a point in time where you change your mind. And you'll find over whether because your siblings are having babies or your friends are having babies, somebody else you love is going to really make you want to have a kid. And it's like, well, actually, now that my sister has kids, I feel like perfect. I can play the role I'm meant to play as an adult figure in somebody's life without all of the compounded responsibilities that I don't really want to take on at this point. And yep, it's hard for me to speak in that as an entirety because Holly really wants to have a child and Mm -hmm. circumstantially for us right now is not the right time. And at the same point, it's also not easy. As I mentioned, it's like you have to, if you're going to adopt or have a surrogate or I'm not going to physically give birth, that's a decision I've made. I think that's actually kind of part of what goes into this conversation too, right? Is like, well, there are ways that I could have a child if I wanted to, but I don't mm-hmm. want to actually have the child. I, the yeah, narcissist no. in me would love for somebody who's little to look and act like me in the good ways, oh, uh, not the yeah. ways that I don't like. And yeah, <laughs> well, cause we would have the cutest kids in the world, but like I mean, facts there, that does not outweigh all of the other decisions and reasons right. that I've already made about not having one. Right. And I, and for me, it's like, I also, I think that when my friends who have had babies talk about childbirth, it, oh. it is like, they have no problem being so unbelievably honest with me because they know that I don't want to have children personally. Uh And it's Uh like, Uh guys, Uh just because I'm not going to have a child, like physically birth a child, does not mean that I want to know all of those really insane things that happen because there's a reason, by the way, that I'm not. And everything you're saying right now is just adding to that list. Are you hearing what you're saying? What happens? How long does it last? What did Uh you do? And then it's like... What ripped? What? (laughs) Well, that was exactly where I was, I was like, that was all that kept recycling through my head. I was like, God, I don't know. I can't right now go there. But it's true. You're like, God damn it. Like, and that just gives me more 
you know, that gives me more respect for the people who do go through that process yes. because I just Ugh. can't even begin to fathom being Fucking comfortable superheroes. or okay with it. I like can't Fucking even. Fucking superheroes. Going back to the, the self-reflection and um, all of that, it's also this realization that I've had where I think historically, like if I look back at my life, I might never have wanted kids, but the entire process was breaking through what I thought was necessary because I think about like the idea of being pregnant and I have an anxiety attack if I actually allow myself to think beyond just like uh, big belly like no I I have a nervous I'm close to having a nervous breakdown and I remember my whole life I've always been scared of pregnant women and I think it it was like this like very, because they're hormonal and they're gonna get mad at you or just <laughs> no because in my head I think it was a it was a visual cue for me to thoroughly understand that their life was fundamentally changing in a way that would never be undone. And I couldn't handle that. I actually really think that that's a brilliant observation about your historic understanding and realization about yourself. Like that's such a, a pivotal point. And I can, I can relate to that for sure. Again, it's more about the actual pregnancy piece of it. And Holly and I joke around, too, are like, I can't handle cramps once a month. You think somebody oh wants God. to deal with me for nine months? Like, do you realize no. what a hormonal bitch I would be? Like, cool. nobody wants to deal with that for a week out of every month. You want to deal with that for nine months while I'm gaining weight and pissed about it? <laughs> and I and I can't smoke weed. Like, can you? Can somebody please tell me who wants to yeah. be around pregnant Nikki? Because the answer should be zero. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> it's no one. And I used to. I and I used to think to myself like I hate the uncertainty of. I hate the idea of the uncertainty of when you could potentially go into labor because not only am I a control freak and need control to have everything planned. Is one of, well, the term one of my friends uses that I, I like. I really like that a lot. I'm definitely going to have to use that. But I remember thinking that, no, I need to know when this baby is coming because I need to know when my life is going to end. That is literally how I would think about it and look at it to know, okay, I could have at least this one last week of being able to go out and do whatever I want and this one last week of being able to sleep whenever I want. That's fucked up. Like, you you should not be approaching this new... Right. Exactly. You shouldn't be approaching parenthood like I that. I appreciate the honesty, though, because I can... I, I totally get where you're coming from. I've always seen it as this is the way your life completely changes. And mm -hmm. it's a matter of, do you want your life to change in that direction? And at the same point, you're sitting there kind of arguing with yourself about it. You know, is this the way that is right for me? Is this what I want to do? Why would I do that if, it, if this is how I feel about it? I think that having this ability to kind of create your life for yourself and for your child and bring that together is where we miss the mark as a society. Mm -hmm. It focuses yep. a lot on 
this is the way you should be a parent. And if you put everything you are into being a parent, that is the, that is the best thing that you can do for your child. And this gets back to what I was saying earlier about the self-care piece of it, which is think about mothers who go back to work, not only because they have to, but because they also want to. I have friends who are female who have had children and they, they want to work. They love to work. And they can say to me, I actually don't know how people are stay-at-home moms. Mm -hmm. And I still want to have children, but I'm also still very interested in maintaining my career. And I speak in broad strokes about females and mothers, but this obviously goes to male dynamics as well. Did Mike receive as much, you know, feedback or criticism around like this decision? No. No, not even a little bit. It was, I don't think that it was... I mean, I don't want to speak for him, but I can honestly never recall a time that someone questioned it or pushed back or anything like that. And do you and think I will people say, people saw it as your choice, and that was sort of why they didn't push Mike on it. Or do you think that they just understood that that was what it was, and he's a guy, and there didn't really need to be more discussion? It's probably a little bit of both. I don't want to say fully that it was one or the other, but. Uh, from from my experience and again and I should and I should say and this retroactively covers everything that we've talked about this is also coming from the perspective I know of a female and of a heterosexual female but also a white female because I feel like there's other issues that arise with this entire topic of people of minorities that I you know cannot speak to at all and I I want to notice the inherent privilege that I have being a white person making these decisions as well. But that aside, I think that's a fair call out, though, and that we are only able to speak to this topic from our points of view and our experiences. Mm -hmm. And that's to me, that's okay. And for listeners, I hope they understand that because I would rather we be truthful about our experiences and ourselves and our way of thinking about it. And we can Mm -hmm. acknowledge those experiences that we don't have, but it certainly doesn't mean that we're neglecting them by not talking about them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah, that's, I think that's more, I don't want this to ever seem like it was a neglectful conversation. I think it's still, there's still a a place for it and I think a need for it. Um, But I wanted to throw that out there. What I was where I was going with this was I I have had so, so, so many conversations with people over the past couple of years because a lot of people want to know why I made the decision or at least feel the need to tell me their opinion on my decision to not have children. That I get more than anything. And it's amazing the difference of the opinion and the tone that I get from men versus women having their opinions spoken at me. Talk to me about that. I want to <laughs> I want to hear about um, that. I want to I want to hear about not only the difference in the approach and the tone, but who is more apt to have commentary on it because my inkling would be that women have a stronger opinion on it but I could be completely wrong in your experience my my experience has been women do have um more to say about it and I think I've probably had more in-depth conversations with other women about this topic but more so men have had the reaction of I mean pure utter confusion but also you'll change your mind oh you have to you have to it's so great you have to you have to 
And these are mostly men that, you know, let's are probably coworkers. And I'm like, okay, so how much are you doing at home? And how much are you involved with raising your children? Because you were very flippantly, very easily telling me that I should have children when the conversations that I have with women are usually more nuanced conversations. They're also varying in the opinions of women. I've had I've had women say the same thing to me. Don't get me wrong. Oh, you should. You'll change your mind. You have to. Oh, it's wonderful. I've also had a lot of women tell me, oh, you're making the right choice. I have had, uh, I don't want to say a frightening amount, but like enough that it made me really take pause. The number of women with mostly, I would say, grown children that are like, oh, oh God, I, oh, you're, yeah, you are doing the right thing. Like, good for you. Oh, good. Good for you. And I'm like, Jesus. Right. Well, you're kind of just how my parents feel about me. Yeah. I think that like that is a really fair assessment of it, though, because when I consider parents who have gone through all of it, who've done all the stuff that we talked about, going to sports with you at every turn, having dances, going to school events, parent-teacher conferences, all the stuff that you spend at least 18 years, if not more, if you have more than one child, going through with somebody, the way I hear it from people sometimes is like, you're counting down until you have your quote, freedom again. And I don't want to look at it like that. And honestly, that's the thing that scares me the most about potentially having a child is that anticipation of when I won't have to be as hyper focused on it because they can do things on their own or they can you know they have their own families and we can be part of that and and the family dynamic to me I've said this to Holly it isn't so much that I didn't want children as much as it was that I didn't feel that sense that I need to be a mother It doesn't mean that I wouldn't appreciate it if I had a child and we had a more like kind of nuclear family situation happening. I don't know if it's technically still like a quote nuclear family if there's lesbians involved, but let's just say that there is. (laughs) So, but like you, you have a family dynamic with more than just yourself and your spouse. I can appreciate that. And there's a lot of things that I think I would value tremendously like watching my niece grow has been just so cool and being able to see the progression of somebody's personality is just a beautiful and amazing thing at the same time people do speak to having children like by asking the question when are you going to start a family or are you going to start a family and to your comment about it kind of like annoying you and people say like oh you'll eventually want it or like it's so great you have to do it it's also like telling me or asking me when I'm going to start a family is pretty much devaluing the family that I do have, which is that my spouse and myself are a family and we don't need children to create the cohesion and the dynamic of a family. And yes, yes, yes. It's something that I feel people tend to overlook because mm-hmm. we've created this dialogue about what a family is as parents and children and not really the relationship that you have with your significant other and that you're deciding Mm -hmm. to grow your family yes or not yes maybe two people's enough in our family two people and three dogs it's so true and I remember hearing a long time ago I think it might have actually been in in one of my classes at um Quinnipiac where the the professor she was talking about 
her family and her kids and the it was about um like the sociology or psychology of love and partnerships or something like that and how a lot of couples tend to put their children first so much that then they lose sight of each other not just themselves but each other and so you know there are and I've known people that have had that have gone through divorces when their children become older and have left the house because then they don't know how to be a couple anymore and I want some to piggyback on that some people will also say that they're staying together for the children which maybe in certain circumstances that's the right choice but in other circumstances if you're in an unhealthy relationship and you're projecting that to your children is it doing more harm than good and now you've compromised some of their ability to grow in a peaceful environment like there's there are so many different scenarios that can unravel that force a different perspective onto you as far as like what the significance of relating to your significant other and having children like how does that all fit together and I feel like people look at it as this very you know black and white you have children or you don't and the reason you decided to have children is because that's what you should do and the reason you decide not to have children is because you're going rogue and that's not what it's like it's it's very different right and I I would say first Mike and I that was really the that was what every conversation boiled down to was what's best for us in our relationship and I know I've said that but I think it's important to reiterate it's super important and I think we just we did what was best for us and and our life I've also come across a lot of people that have expressed that making the decision not to have children is extraordinarily selfish and that I think is the one argument that has really, really bothered me. I think because I get fisticuffs I... about that. <laughs> well, because I think if you can't give me an explanation on why you decided to have children, then that is selfish. And you can't be in a place to tell me that my very conscious decision, my the decision that has taken me years and help build my relationship and help me discover who I am as a person is selfish. You can go fuck yourself. Yeah, because you don't you don't know somebody else's story or circumstance or why that decision has been made. And like you said earlier, it's not anybody's fucking business whether or not I decided to reproduce and even if I can asking me why I'm not is completely inappropriate especially when you get to that root of like is it selfish of me to decide not to have a child if financially it's not the right thing to do if emotionally it's not the right thing to do if whatever other reason you can come up with it's not somebody else's place to tell you what is or is not selfish period like there's no weight that somebody else's opinion should carry about a decision like that except for yours and your significant others and if you can agree on it and know that that won't become a point of contention later for better or for worse whether that is you know 
you are deciding you both want to have kids and then later in life somebody says you know what I didn't want to have children I'm leaving like these things happen those things happen too so wouldn't you rather that we decide not to have children now than to have a child and then regret that decision I mean there there was I, I read like a lot about studies related to this topic before we spoke and one of the things that came up was that most women who choose a child-free life are confident in their decision and it's everybody else who struggles with it yes like yes and I was going to ask you do you feel like that's an accurate assessment for yourself yes oh my god yes because I I have made this decision for myself and the most important thing to anyone who is making that decision is to wholly know and understand that that it is for yourself and no one else and honestly that is going to be the biggest struggle if there are other people listening to this that are are figuring this out for themselves or have maybe just made this decision and maybe it's not the quote-unquote popular decision everyone else is going to have a problem with it and if you don't, then that's fine. And that's how it should be. But you have to be comfortable with that decision and you have to be able to own that decision, knowing that people are going to have an opinion on it. And I think that's kind of the point that you've been making too, right? Which is that if you are going to do it, you want to also advocate for other people who feel like they don't have a voice in it. And I applaud your desire to speak for the larger sum of people who are battling that right now, because it really requires a lot of time, energy, questions to yourself, questions to your spouse about what you should be doing as far as having children. And you said earlier, you know, people act sort of flippant about it. And, you know, it's like your decision not to parent is just like completely uncouth. And it really shows me how different people think about this topic because I felt a lot of pressure coming from people who would say I don't understand how you don't just inherently want to have a child like how come you don't feel that way I don't know how come you did feel that way and that gets back to what I said earlier like I I can't answer that for you any more than you can answer for me why you felt maternal why you wanted to have children so badly I can't give a reason but I also think that part of the problem is that we expect people to have a scripted reason as to why or why not that's going to satisfy everybody and the answer is it's never going to yep and it's always it's you're always going to run into those people and it's you have to become comfortable with other people being uncomfortable and that it's just going to be part of the reality of that decision that you're making forever. I mean, especially now, and this is, this is another thing, being a woman, especially someone in the workforce from 20 to 40, you, so here, here's another little fun fact. I don't drink. I very gladly go to bars, you know, coworkers, friends, happy hours, whatever that is to just socialize. I personally don't drink. I, I don't enjoy it. I don't like it. 
I don't care what the fuck you do. Do whatever you want to do. Do whatever makes you happy. I don't care. So I'm going to, you know, sip on ginger ale. But then the questions start. If I don't hold a beer or a glass of wine in my hand, it's not just, oh, you don't drink. It's, oh, my God, are you pregnant? That is the first question that I get if I am with someone that does not know that I don't drink alcohol. Oh, is there something you want to tell me? No, there's nothing I want to tell you. Get out of my face. It really is. It's just it's going to be a lot of learning and lessons in being okay with other people not being okay. And not understanding your choice and maybe not ever understanding where you're coming from. It's just something that you might have to live with and it's okay. And you don't, you don't live to make other people happy. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say is it's about making yourself happy and making sure that you're getting what you want out of this life and not creating a life that somebody else has prescribed to you. And I mean, the fact that we have to have this even piece of the conversation about people blatantly asking you, oh, oh my God, are you pregnant? Or like, I can't, I couldn't call out sick from work without a little footnote that says, I'm not pregnant. I'm just not feeling good this morning. And it's amazing what people feel entitled to know about you. Oh my God. Yeah. That's such a great way to describe it. Yes. It, it, like, what was it about me not having any personal conversations with you that inspired <laughs> you to ask me about having children? I mean, maybe you just have one of those faces because talking, talking about like maternal instincts and everything, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know if I have them or not. I, I might to a certain extent. That's fine. I do feel a sense of parental instinct. I am around my friends' kids and I love to be around them and they're so sweet and they're fun to to read to and and teach and watch. I find it to be a really beautiful way of blending relationships as well because you you do have a little bit more freedom in that role to be able to make kind of the fun decisions or create something that's a little bit different outside of their norm. And you're not the typical parent who's giving, you know, those hard and fast rules, but you're still present and you're still an authority in their life. You just have a little bit more wiggle room, we'll say. But for the longest time when I was growing up, like none of my friends, younger siblings liked me. I was like, Mike, I was like, I don't, I don't like kids. All I know about them is that they scream in stores and they are always like, oozing from all of their orifices like you're like it's like I just can't (laughs) I can't deal with that that like really makes me uncomfortable but when you have that light in their eyes and that joy that they just kind of inherently bring to the world you do feel at least I do personally like you feel a connection and this desire to protect and keep them keep them well and happy Uh, partially the happiness so they're not screaming at you but like uh, other than that I do think that there is part of me that loves that it's just that I don't know that that's a full-time thing for me and we've even talked about fostering as a segue into potentially full-time parenthood to really decide how we would handle it like if we can 
navigate fostering and that's something that we're both happy to do and keep doing great or it maybe it's fostering turns into adoption like you don't Mm -hmm. know and I think that like for us it's a bit more open-ended and at the same time I personally could say either way it's not going to stop me from leading a fulfilling life and ultimately that's what it sounds like the message you're sending is absolutely absolutely you fulfill your own life in your own way and the way that we're choosing just doesn't happen to involve kids yeah at least the ones that aren't our own that's it right right exactly and and it's it's you're so right because on top I mean yes I have nieces and nephews and I adore them but I also have friends with kids who I love so much and they're such great kids and I would be devastated if they weren't a part of my life in some way but it that also isn't enough to sway my decision from the choice that I've already made and uh, but that's okay and that's okay yeah and I hope that one day people can be having this conversation or not even have to have this conversation but to be able to have this conversation and not have to say and that's okay too because guess what it should all just be okay we're free we're free agents we get to do whatever the fuck we want this is our life and so if not having kids or having kids is your cup of tea then go after it just make your life worth living and do things that will make yourself and your family proud because that's like I said earlier we don't have control over a lot we can control how we react and we can control how we move forward but at the end of the day whatever's going to happen for each of us is going to happen and if we have led our life in the direction of children or not shouldn't be the defining factor of who we are and that just needs to become more commonplace as a way of thinking, in my opinion. So I want to ask one last question, and this is a loaded one. What is the best thing about being child-free? And if sleep is the answer, that's okay. For me, it probably is sleep. Honestly, I think I think it is sleep, but one of uh, my go-to answers is because I like money and for my things not to be sticky. <laughs> I think those are also very, very promising reasons. To me, it's less ease of travel. And so if I can't go to as many places or with as great of ease, that feels a little bit kind of captive to me. Yeah, it's restrictive. There's Mm -hmm. definitely this feeling of, well, not just sleeping on my own time, but doing what I want to do on my own time. I mean, what it all boils down to the money to do the things, the time to do the things, the energy from the sleep that you're getting to do the things. It's all about, at the end of the day, it's all about unrestricted authority over your own time. Yeah, that's, oh my gosh, that's a brilliant way of phrasing it. I I feel like that resonates a million percent with me. It's, It's the unrestriction. It's your ability to feel like your choices are your choices. And definitively for you in most cases obviously well this has been such a great conversation I'm so glad we were yeah I'm so glad we were able to talk about it and I really hope that anybody who's listening to this whether you have kids or you don't have kids understands where we're coming from there's no judgment being passed in terms of anybody's decision it's more that we need to respect each other's decisions and recognize that 
what's right for me isn't always right for you and what's right for you isn't always right for me and maybe sometimes we meet in the middle on those things but let's be respectful and kind to each other about whatever choices we're making and hopefully we can understand more about each other after you guys have had a chance to listen to this conversation so thank you so much for your time paula this has been a thank you this has been awesome well, gang, that's all for this episode of the Who the Fuck podcast. A big thank you to Paula for sharing her story and her time. Visit whothefck.com donate to support Planned Parenthood and their mission to continue to protect and provide reproductive health care. Plus, make sure you subscribe to the Who the Fuck podcast wherever you listen. And if you haven't yet, go ahead and share a little love by rating the show too. Until next time. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric cast. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives' activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric Cast.